Welcome to the Queen Divas Queens of Fitness podcast. Join your hosts, three-time WBFF world champions and WBFF royalty, Alicia Gowans and Stephanie Ayala McHugh, as we explore all things female health, training, competing, mindset, and living the fitness life every day. So super excited to be back with my girl, Stephanie Ayala McHugh for another episode of Queen Divas Fitness Podcast because it's been a couple of weeks. It's been a hot minute. And um, I miss seeing your face, by the way. I miss seeing you. You look honestly like you're glowing right now, Ali. I don't know what kind of uh, phase or what. I'm fat. <laughs> no, yeah, shut up. Come on. This is this this is what we do with people. We look at ourselves so differently. So just right off the gate, when we see ourselves, we don't actually see what others see. Just FYI, <laughs> starting this whole combo. She looks amazing. She looks I'm healthy. joking. She looks beautiful. I'm joking about that too, because um I've just been talking about it. And you know what? I'm surprisingly okay with the changes that have happened and had to happen inside of this process. You know, I think if I had tried to do this maybe three, four years ago, I don't think I would have been sitting quite as comfortable with how things are right now as I am at this point. I think um, just moving to a certain stage in my life and how I view things has made me feel okay with it. But I mean, I joke about it, but I don't ever like look at myself and be like, oh, you fat mole, like my God, what the fuck? I don't do any of that. But I do have moments where I look at myself and I'm like, wow, my cheeks are so round right now. Like, and, and for anybody that knows Ali uh, and myself too, I'm the same exact yeah, big cheeks anyway. Big cheeks. Like, we keep, like if we gain any body fat, it goes to our it's booty, our cheeks. face, and like our abs it's like definitely one of those like our cheeks get so full and we look like little kids honestly (laughs) it is it is we do we look like those little those little cherubs cherub babies we do and uh, it's hilarious but that's the only thing that I sometimes do I kind of look at myself and go that the other thing that obviously the only other thing where I'm like oh my god and even then I don't pull myself a part of it on it I'm still wearing short shorts around but I'll have a moment of holy fuck, I have cellulite. I've never had cellulite. This is an estrogen <laughs> thing. This is all these drugs and it's horrible because, but but it also, I can also look at it and because I'm this annoying optimist, I kind of go, okay, I really don't love the hail damage, but at least now, at least now I can relate. Like now when someone comes to me and they're like, oh, Ali, I've got all this cellulite. And I'm like, you're being a tard. You do not. Yeah. And then in some women, when they actually do, I now I, I can be like, yeah, I feel like I feel you. In here. I've got that shit too. <laughs> I haven't had it up until now. So I'm like, I'm gonna take a so many now. women have it and they're so exactly. insecure about it. And this is yeah. actually something really uh it's good. Common. Super it's common. so common. Sally White, the hail damage she's talking about. That is so common. Okay. Yeah. Like it happens, it happens <laughs> in the off season for some competitors and then they lose yeah. it. Uh, yeah, so exactly. It's, it's so thing. <laughs> it, and it really is. And you know, look, I didn't have it for the first couple of cycles. Um, I just found that increasingly from sort of cycle three to cycle six, which we'll go into actually last um, podcast, we really featured a lot of, you know, what Steph had been doing and, and her latest stuff at Worlds. And we touched, you know, um, briefly on where I was at at the end. And I was, you know, just in that waiting game yet again of where we were going to be at, because I'd obviously gone through a sixth 
IVF drug cycle, like, oh my God, like I needed any more fucking injections, but I had a whole <laughs> another month of them. Um, and we went through that. Let me, let me preface why we went through that. And I made the decision to do that um, because we had had our failed transfer. So we had one, we'd only had four embryos that were normal and healthy and ready to go on ice. And we had one of them and, you know, like, this is a frustrating thing, Steph. I was like, all right, my uterus is amazing, right? I've had babies, healthy babies, everything's fine. We just need to find this goddamn embryo that is the one. And then it'll go in and it'll take and I'll be fine. I'll be pregnant. Well, fuck me. Like everything else with IVF, you cannot ever have an expectation (laughs) because it never goes that way. And now it turns out. I ended up, since I spoke to you last, having to have myself, man, the things that have happened to my body in the last 12 months, far out, Jesus. I had to have myself cut open last Monday with a laparoscopy oh, to you, go yeah. inside yeah. and look at my organs and my uterus to find out what the fudge. Because all of a sudden, you know, this very healthy embryo in a very healthy body in what looked like a very healthy uterine wall when they were doing my scans. I was in a great place. I'm doing textbook, everything fucking right. I'm annoying yeah. myself with how good I'm being. And it didn't take, right? Well, well it may have taken, but then we've, we've shed it. We've lost it, right? So, we've lost it, yeah. so we've had to kind of go, all right. We've gone back and looked at the depressing stats that really the IVF stats are so depressing. Um, And we went, right, on average, it can take three to four transfers for you to take. And I'm sitting there going, well, shit, baby, we've only got three left on ice. So what are we going to do if we get like four months down the track and we've gone month in, month out, none of them have taken and I've got none left and then I'm five months older and the embryos are that much older again and then you're trying to find the good ones and it's the needle in the haystack all over again so I made the decision that after that loss we went straight back into another cycle to try to get at least the one we lost back but hopefully more than one if we could right oh okay I see so and what what we also did was go we need to investigate so we need to also, so, okay, yep, fine. We're going to go in and try and recover your losses. But we also need to cut Nothing you open, Ali. To know what's going on. What's know really what's going, going on. on. So people what, listening how did it to go? this. So, yeah, well, okay. I, <laughs> <laughs> I had this surgery on Monday last week. I, I honestly. So what did they cut open? Where did they cut you open? (laughs) I'm not even going to show you because it's so gross. It's like this really, have you ever seen a baby's umbilical cord? And they just cut off and it sits outside the belly button and then it goes like black and falls off. That's kind of what my belly button I know exactly what you're talking about. Is it it right? Oh, so they went through the belly button. They sliced me open in my belly button. And then they sliced me open where your hip bone is. They come up just either side of the hip bone, slice me open there. Then the pubic bone, they come up about that far and they slice you open there. So you've got oh. four big incisions. you got four people Shit. inside the operating room with you. It's a, it was a two and a half hour surgery. They then go in, they balloon your belly yeah. up with gas so that they, there's room around all of your organs yeah, and, like air. and they can see it, right? And then they basically microscope down in and the, you know, obviously the people helping my physician, my, my specialist are there to help, you know, push organs in and away and around so you can see things and what they were looking for was a couple of different things so they were 
when we didn't have the success, which everyone thought we we would probably most likely be successful first transfer, just because I've been doing everything right. I'm super healthy. Yeah, the, the scan, yeah, the scanning, yeah. the scanning showed my um, uterus wall to be looking great. Healthy. Like there was just yeah. so there was no reason, right? So then they were like, okay, well, hell, we need to go in and have a look at what may be going on. So we plan for this straight away because we don't have much time to waste, right? So it's like just boom, boom, boom. I had that surgery. It was only like two weeks later and then they're cutting me open again in all the four places. And when I woke up, they said to me that, um, right, we found this one little patch um, that we think is very old level of endometriosis, very minor. Because let me just say this, I've never had any problems never had any issues, never had any symptoms, never had really bad periods, never had nothing, right? So this is something that I want everyone on, and that's listening to this to listen to though, because you can be like me and have absolutely no signs of anything and then be cut open and find that you actually have stuff and going on. Right. right? And, and, and so it might, many, yeah. No, you're right. Ali, it, like, it, it might be in other ways. Exactly. Like you just, you just have a heavy cycle and you just yeah. think like, you know, yes. you're just dealing with some just, you know, normal yes. symptoms that may yep. linger a little longer, but yep. you really don't know you're dealing with don't. endometriosis. And I think it's no, really don't. something um, very, I'm, I'm, I'm very interested because I know I have lots of clients that have endometriosis. Yes. But, um, sure and there's do. different stages. So, you know, you might have like, because mine is in a high stage. So I, I'm not someone that is like a stage four where, you know, it's. But it's, a, it's a still, it's still, it's still an issue. Though. Exactly. Yeah, it's causing yeah. fertility right. problems. Yeah. So Correct. this Correct. is what's leading. So this is the root of the issue. So and this, is this isn't actually. <laughs> no. This is where okay. it gets super fucking interesting. Just <sighs> because there is nothing easy about me ever. Right. And let's face it. I like to be like, I do everything at the highest <laughs> level. So even when it comes to this. This is how it managed to roll. I had this tiny little patch and they showed me it afterwards and they showed me the picture and they, you know, cut that all out and whatever else. And obviously, and it's old, it's not been an issue. It's not grown into any organs or anything, but far out. They then go, oh, and they said, and here's your ovary. And they showed me the pictures of my ovaries and they were quite sort of enlarged. And they went, but this is probably common for the fact that we're only two, 10 days post an egg retrieval where you were really swollen and I had yeah. 30 eggs come out, 30, 30 follicles, 30, 30 embryos. So it was like a lot, which means I had overstimulation. So the ovaries were still quite swollen. But then they showed me my uterus. Now, do I know what's really annoying, but also kind of makes so much sense? As we've talked about, I've done a whole year, but I have done six back to back with only exception of one month where I did the transfer of a break, right? Right. Pumping massive amounts of estrogen into mm -hmm. my body. Like I'm talking, I think we've mentioned this before, your, your normal levels are like 80 to about, I believe it max like 800, right? My levels were sitting at 22,000 every month. I was only getting them down a little bit. And then I was going into my next jabbing cycle and blowing myself up again, right? Mm -hmm. So this is where the cellulite happened. This is where all the excessive estrogen is. This yeah. is where I put on you know, additional body fat that every time I go through a cycle, I'll lose a little bit, but I never lose everything I've gained. And in this last cycle in particular, I'm really struggling to drop what I, what I put on in the cycle itself. Now that might also be because we've had this surgery and I'm healing and everything else too, who knows? But um, 
it just goes to show you the level of excessive amounts of estrogen. Now I'm driving that home for a reason because there is endo, and we're gonna we, like we're gonna double back to this, and I want to talk about these you know situations a little further because these are the things that you know a lot of women face and have problems with, and we see it frequently. But there is actually another condition which is not talked about, which is not really. Um, I don't think many people would really know about it. I definitely didn't know anything about it. But the annoying thing is, even though I might have a slight, I might have had a slight predisposition to this and also i've had pregnancies so the something that can lead to this is multiple pregnancies right so i've had pregnancies i've been pregnant had babies this can lead to us to but when we first started this process i had an mri and i had the testing done on my uterus and there was no issues all of the hormones have led to this um heightened state now and i've been diagnosed with adenomyosis so i have both endometriosis and adenomyosis now adenomyosis is actually an inflammatory disorder that is is and this is the scary part i've never i had never gone through this before i had never actually even had a client say they've had this before but one in five women have it now the difference with this is it's like Endo's darkest, ugliest sister. It's way worse than Endo because this can't be treated. So we can't what take it does, out. What, we can't do anything with it. So what is what, it? Yeah, what is it? Okay. All right. So my uterus was a little swollen and a little what they call boggy, which is basically where if you were to touch um, a uterus that didn't have this, it would be pliable and soft and like move. Like, you know, like a waterbed, move quite, quite a lot. Exactly. Mine is more like a uh, half waterbed, half mattress. So it'll move, but like not all, not, not all the way that it should. It doesn't right? have as much fluidity. So exactly. And what that is caused from is actually an endometrial tissue that starts to grow into my uterus muscle wall inside my uterus. Oh, so it thickens it up. And, you know, yeah. look, there, there can be a, there can be a um, predisposition to this genetically. So you can be born with a predisposition to this happening, right? So fetal I was actually going to be my next question. Yeah. I was going to so ask that, you, so was that something be developed there, right? or was yeah. it something? So okay. I never had any issues and I've had, you know, obviously I've been in situations where if I, I was going to probably have it sort of caught, it probably would have been because of pregnancies and stuff, but I've never had any issues, not whatsoever. The hormones though, that we've been obviously pumping into me have added to this and it's most likely exacerbated it, right? Yeah. Um, exactly. Another thing that can cause this too for anyone listening to this is if you have had um, injury at all, so any kind of injury, any kind of trauma, wound, like any kind of, trauma, of yeah, yeah, any kind of trauma, even possibly having had or gone through like laparoscopies and stuff like that too could many, potentially many lead to this exactly the it's like other thing you're thinking up the wall yeah, and just correct. starting to really uh, become not fluid i mean, the, I mean yep. you have to think blood flow and that's actually how i mean yep. guys you guys aren't thinking here of <laughs> just our biomechanics and just how no, our it's eyes like, are it is physiologically it's very it's, important to know like blood it's crazy is, 
what fuels us along with oxygen and water. Yeah. And yeah. when we aren't stabilized with our blood regulation for women specifically, we have yeah. a cycle for a reason. It's not yeah. supposed to be taken away. And for those that are maybe even doing things to get their cycle to go away is, is going to be dealing with more of these issues down the road. Um, yeah. You know, obviously life lifestyle circumstances obviously cause this like you said hereditary and you're born with it and it's genetic yeah. um it can, it can be also so be from having like a cesarean so if you've had a c-section yeah. ladies that have given birth and had a c-section that can also be a preliminary um precursor to this right so you can actually have a situation where the uterus may heal towards the muscle rather than outwards and then that can create a thickening of the uterus lining now the reason that i'm bringing this up is because it is not as talked about as known it's definitely oh, not no. a word that most people listening yeah. to this may have even heard before right no. but it's actually very common and that's why i wanted to talk about it because if i had have been able to be taking any inflammatories um and other medications i could have potentially been treating it or slowing it down right but because we've been doing the IVF, I couldn't take anything. I've been off all meds. So I've been like literally fueling the fire and not putting the yeah, fire exactly. out. Yeah, exactly. Like, you're actually but doing you don't, Yes, but you don't know that you've got it because it's an internal thing. It's very hard to see. Direct ultrasounds don't show it up. Um, you know, you can get it, you get an MRI, which I think so only MRIs, out. like MRIs will and kind it of can bring show it a little either. bit, but it's not conclusive. So, like we did the MRI. I think I remember we talked about this. I did the MRI straight yeah. after we I think we had the loss when you were on stage, and two or three days later, I was in having the MRI and all my blood work done. And the MRI came back with like it showed only like a slight little something, but it was like really nothing. And that's where my, my specialist was like, right, we're booking you in. In 10 days, you'll be in going underneath the knife because we really need to go inside and see. Like we can't see anything, right? Well, it's like so, a dot, that dot exactly. rises, you know, and sound. Like Correct. it just really makes Correct. you want to dig in further. And MRIs Correct. are a great way, but is there another uh, way that they would have said that they would have been able to find it would, it would this... literally only be the exploratory based surgery where they can blow you up and, and actually see and then the other thing they did while they were in there right because um for everyone listening this is also something if you're trying to conceive you need to think about i have an autoimmune disease right i've had it for a long time now i got diagnosed when i was 25 so um ulcerative colitis my there's a big family history of crohn's and bowel, bowel disease right so Autoimmune is a problem sometimes for women when they're trying to conceive because what will happen is the body will produce an excessive number of these natural killer cells, NK cells. Now you need them and they are actually normally inside of your reproductive area. Um, there's a certain amount and we need them because they actually help with the implantation. So I'm bringing this up because this with the adenomyosis is a problem. So this explains why my implantation did not take, right? So I actually, when they were in there, looked at it all and went, yep, you've actually got a way higher number of these NK cells than what you should have. So they take a, a scrape and a scratch of your uterus lining and do a test. And then with that, once we've identified that there's too many of those, as well as this Hard, like little bit of like a thickening slash hardening in my uterus is like right well now we need to combat these things so so my body's so producing too much stuff and then it's and then it's being pumped with this other stuff and there's all these things all at once just combining this big you know double whammy so i might have looked and this is where it's really difficult for anyone's trying to conceive and they're having you know no luck maybe just 
don't beat yourself up and don't go, oh, there's something I'm doing wrong or there's something, you know, um, you, I think you just need to go and investigate, right? Because 100%. clearly yeah. you can be healthy, do all the right things, follow the textbook, be prepared. Like you can literally have no life of fun because you are le- literally eating nothing but vegetables and <laughs> still not bloody full because there might be something going on inside you can't see. And what you just said actually really hits on so many, so many surfaces. I think it relates so much into fitness as well. If you're doing everything, meaning like you feel like you're hitting on your nutritional, you know, um, you know, diet, you're hitting your workout plan, you're doing everything to the sleep, you're getting enough sleep, you're drinking your water, you know, your hormones are in check, your cycle's good. And there's still like nothing happening and you're not seeing results. There's something in your blood work that's gonna arise that's gonna tell you that's investigating and being able to figure out what deficiencies uh organ dysfunctions that you may have so these are all things just like she said finding the root of the problem and getting under and doing some investigation you're not um, a problem all the time no Uh, exactly and and also recognizing too that there are things that can be treated right so We'll go back through to this. I'm going to give a little bit of um, an overview as to endometriosis, adenomyosis, and then we're going to also talk on um, polycystic uh, ovary syndrome because they're all part of these group of pelvic inflammatory disorders, right? And they're, yeah. they're, they're things that can be meant either treated or managed. And, you know, like in my case of the adenomyosis, I can't actually do anything physically for that, but you can manage it by actually, you know, having any inflammatory medication. You, there are things you can, they can play with your hormones to try to reduce the excessive estrogen so that then the uterus has time to actually, because it's like an inflammation inside of your uterus to manage that. So let's touch on this for a minute. For everyone listening to this, you know, what exactly is it? So adenomyosis is an inflammatory disorder that basically, like I said before, found in one in five women. So a lot more than what you would 20%, you guys, exactly. a big percentage. And the scary part about it, like I said, is that it, it's the main treatment that they do is they do a hysterectomy. They rip your uterus out. So when you get bad enough, that's what it gets to. I'm trying to have a baby here. I kind of need my uterus. So we can't go down that route for a long while. But but just for everyone listening, these are the things that might be signs of adenomyosis. Are you having really heavy bleeding? So menorrhagia, really, really heavy bleeding. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. So dysmenorrhea. So really painful period. So you might exactly have no, no other say. symptoms on this. Just so really painful. The sharp pain. Yeah. Yeah. Migraine. Really heavy throwing cycle. Up. Yep. So not a cycle normally you should have like your heaviest day, like day one or day two. Absolutely. Usually it's around day two. You'll have like one day, maybe two, like and that's normal. Twenty-four then, hours yep. to thirty. And then it then it tapers so, yeah. off, right? Yeah. And if you're yeah. having a situation or a period where it's way heavier, way longer, big long periods where you've got pain in the pelvic area, you've got intense cramps, like constantly, because we yeah. obviously have some normality when it comes yeah. down to cramps. So please don't yeah. think you can diagnose yourself and think that exactly. you're exactly. You know, having one of these Another things. Another thing. But, Another thing is breakthrough bleeding. If you're having like a cycle and then having another cycle, but maybe mid-cycle, you've just got this random level of spotting bleeding. Like a little spotting, like the spotting at two weeks after. Normally when you're supposed to not be in, you know, obviously you're supposed to be 
in, in right. the luteal phase, you know, you're actually yes. really trying to, you know, obviously right. get in a good state and yeah. you start seeing the spotting. It's happened to yep. a lot of people I know, a lot of clients out of coach, yeah. um, when they start getting spotting or they have really heavy bleeding and the symptoms and really, really bad cramps, headaches, and yeah. can't train, they can't do much. And yeah. it almost really cripples them to where they're bedridden. And yeah. the bedriddenness obviously causes a lot of other problems, meaning like you're depressed and yeah. your hormones are, you know, out of whack, you're starting to feel like you just need to go through the pantry and just like make yourself feel better. And it's not that, like it really is, no, like exactly. how you said is red flags and exactly. being able to look at yourself and know is, is my cycle being irregular all the time not yes. just irregular for this month and this is where you know i think for everyone listening to this where these things might not affect you and you might have no one in your family that has any of the things we're about to discuss and are discussing and that's fine but that doesn't mean that you're not going to potentially have this at some point and it's also i think worth and we've talked about this before track your cycle track yes. it all the time start yes. to get to know your body start to understand if something is shorter, longer, broken through, if there are more, you know, fatigue, tiredness, dizziness, like symptoms that you might not necessarily think are abnormal can be really quite abnormal signs. You forget. So, I know I forget what I did yesterday sometimes. And if I don't <laughs> track it and log it, I'm going to be like, oh, yeah, I forgot okay. I felt that way yesterday. You know, you know, another really interesting thing too about adenomyosis, which again, as I said, I've never had any symptoms. I've never had that loaded descended belly i'm always super lean i don't have i've never had like super ridiculously painful periods i've never had any of those i have had um in the last year or so maybe a little bit more pain coming into cycles and i've had a little bit more through the pelvis rather than just through my lower back now that could have been a sign of some early small sort of signs of this happening right but nothing again nothing crazy but the hormones from the back-to-back -back IVF, you know, um, processes have just gone boom. Yeah. And I'm just huge all of a sudden. Like the uterus itself has become yeah. quite swollen, descended and sore. So even as I drop weight post-cycles, I'm noticing that where I've had that injection site, but that's also therefore where my, you know, uterus actually sits, it is sitting a little bit more protruded. So another sign for people is if you have a slight enlargement in the area or you feel pressure, potentially on your bladder, you go to the toilet a lot more. That can also be a sign of this swollen uterus slash adenomyosis, right? So for everyone listening to this too, it tends to typically hit women that have had multiple kids. So if you're in your, you know, late twenties, early thirties, but you started your family young, you could be suffering from this. An average is that it usually hits women, you know, like late thirties into their early forties because that's usually when most women have, you know, um, started to, or have had at least a couple of kids, right? right. So that's, that's common, it can be an age thing. The only thing that treats it is menopause or they take the uterus out. So having said that, this is what we're doing with my transfer. When you ask me, how do we go on where we're going to? Nice. We're gonna double back and I will talk know. again about the endo and the polycystic. But before we get to that, because with the endomyosis, the only thing you can really do with it is you can have any inflammatory medication, which I can't take because we're trying to fall. You can um, control it with hormones, which is where they put you into a menopausal state for a period of three months. Allow the They basically switch your ovaries off. So no more estrogen being excessively done. So you go into this 
menopausal state where you'll have, you'll have hot flushes and mood swings and all sorts of crazy psychotic stuff going on. Ah, I don't want to experience this. I was early. like, Trust I don't feel so no, I know. So what will happen for me is this. It's not severe enough that they're like, we need to immediately shut you down. It's not like that, but it is a problem, right? So we're going to do two things differently in my next transfer. We're going to go for another transfer and I can announce that we had an amazing outcome when I was on the podcast with you last. I think we'd only just heard the news and we only just got told that we had, I think, one embryo, but we ended up with, we ended up with seven fertilized, four under biopsy and two that came back normal and ready to use so we, we oh my god I'm we so lost, happy. And we have Yay. an extra one on ice so i'm pretty oh, happy Very that's happy. amazing that's such yeah. amazing news I know, hey seven's I know. my lucky number so that's why it's stephanie y'all is seven in my handle just so y'all know <laughs> actually guys, seven sorry, is my you, number when you on this one ali it's really the stephanie's <laughs> luck rubbing off right i'm just giving you all my best vibes right now you I love it i love seven, it i love it and i'm like that's I love my it. lucky number okay Okay, I love so, it. Anyway, so, so like, so what's the next steps after? So now what we're going to do is we're actually going to do an intralipid infusion. So the days before, okay, I need to wind this back a fraction though. I'm not even done yet. I've got to go back in next Tuesday for another sort of biopsy surgery thing where they want to just check the cells in my cervix yeah. as well. So that happens on Tuesday. Then literally within the week, I'll do my first intralipid infusion. So this is actually going to be a process where I have to sit in there for two hours and have this thing infused into me. And it is directly going to um, work on and I guess try to manage that NK cell situation. So the natural killer cell, Mm -hmm. because if the numbers are too high, it fights the embryo like it's a problem and it won't implant. So they're going to infuse me for two hours so many days before the transfer. Then I have the transfer. On the day of the transfer, I get another two-hour infusion. So they implant me, then infuse me. And then they do an they do an early pregnancy test, and the minute that I'm pregnant, they infuse me again. Because with adenomyosis, the the risk with this is if you have this, you have really high risk of non-implantation and a really high risk of miscarriage. So your your capacity to actually carry the baby full term is significantly reduced. So it's a real shit show, right? Like I'm like I'm trying to stay super positive about it, but it's like oh no, I love the I I. I'm just thinking of the process and I'm thinking of it's everything intense. that you're having yeah. to go through and I'm like it's wow intense. Yeah. this is a journey yeah that this has actually a- been a journey of all journeys this has I been even bigger than-, than my broken back situation that's what I was going to say I was like I think this is bigger than your recovery and having to come back 100%. Four championships, technically afterwards, 100%. you know, a USA title and three world championships, you know, literally after. So I think this so is definitely more of a test. And going Sorry. to show you guys that this is a lot more mental than it, it is, is physical too, because it's not like it she's is. having to excruciately train or do and put her body technically in this uh, big stimulus or like exertion. Exactly. It's actually backwards. It's actually exactly. opposite of what she's used to doing. She it's is not body training. Fat. And gain being weight. <laughs> and well, I'm just saying, like, she doesn't get to train as much as the way she likes. Yeah, don't I don't get to train because, like, with the with the cycle, you can't actually train 
heavily at certain too points. Your, your ovaries and uterus are so enlarged. There's just, you couldn't anyway. Then you it's have like a surgery and you can't do it. with your period, like on your first day. Everyone's yeah. Like, shit. like you, you, don't, was, you don't want to it's like It's like your period. <laughs> jacked up on a period steroid and trying to be an Arnie at the same time and then trying to squat 200 pounds or like (laughs) super super ridiculously hard yeah it's really so that's the changes we're making to the protocol with this next transfer um you know a great game plan I I still feel exactly and like in for it, I you figured feel- out, investigated, you got a lot of the data. Right. I think you guys are exactly. in for a great road these next few weeks. Yeah. And it's about staying positive and obviously trying to look at, you know, the 100%. bright side of things. And um, you can have such more, I think, possibilities now going yeah. into this next transfer. Um, and I feel like that too, because they say that after you've done a laparoscopy with a uterus scrape, like they've done for me, that actually increases um, fertility implantation by 30%. So that's great. Amazing. I'm having a frozen embryo transfer. So that's a 60% higher success rate. So that's great. So numbers my numbers now, right I feel, now. are, are better. Yeah, but side. also we've Good. got this process that we're doing with the interliquid infusion, which will, you know, downregulate those NK cells. So that should also help. So I'm saying super bloody positive, but I am, you know, super keen to, you know, make it very, you know, known to women that there can be things going on internally that you are not aware of and can't see. You could be completely asymptomatic for things like endometriosis, adenomyosis. You may not even be aware that you have cysts on your ovaries, and these can be oh, the things that might be so something you're conceiving naturally, yep. right? Yep. So yep. doubling back to, you know, the whole adenomyosis, it is quite common for women with adenomyosis to actually have endo and adeno, which is like the biggest punch on both sides of your face at once. <laughs> it's like, it's like, you've just kicked me in the vagina. It's the worst news <laughs> you could possibly imagine. <laughs> so, double kicked it. <laughs> double kicked in the vagina. So with, um, so let's talk through this because we see... I would actually, you know, honestly say that I I have the majority of women that I deal with that have some form of pelvic inflammatory-based disease or condition. Absolutely. I've got a lot of them. Some of them have had surgery to... to ease to manage the pain to manage the process others uh probably should look into it but for women that are listening to this and they're you know just not sure but you might be experiencing completely irregular periods of bleeding you might have have um, pain in your pelvic region lower back legs that are quite intense you might have the dysmenorrhea that we've already talked about and having you know really Heavy blood flow, yeah, just and really heavy blood flow. Exactly, we you might have pain during ovulation is a sign of endometriosis, right? So endometriosis, different to adenomyosis, is still that inflammatory condition, and it is still where you have a cell that is basically growing outside of of your area so it's still doing the things that it's meant to do every month which is shed and bleed and all of the things that but it's doing it maybe attached to your lung or to your bowel or somewhere else the wall yeah yeah horrendous right so 
So it can be found even up in your lungs. This is what blows my mind. Like endometrial cells can can actually travel. Rise, so if rise. you are not aware that you've got it, not treating it, and then you go too far too long, you end up stage four and they go in to remove it and it's already connected to, you know, a uh, substantial so organ or it's yeah. traveled. Yeah. For some women, they'll say, we have to do a hysterectomy and take everything out. But then you might still have problems because it's growing on a lung there's nothing you can do about that you know what i mean like it's really quite a it's intense and it's a, you know yeah, it's, scary. it's a deeper problem it is because i have some women 100%. that deal with it older versus obviously younger um i think the ones that deal with the younger deal with it a little better because like as you said as you yeah. age and it gets worse and the stage gets you know obviously worse uh they're not able to really almost reverse it which is something yeah. that you can help with reversal if you take those procedures and obviously go by the means yeah, of how yeah. you are but with your endomyosis i'm so interested like that yeah the endomyosis sucks right exactly yeah, it sucks. sucks it sucks because it's just like, any so autoimmune unlike, like it's yeah, like, um, it's like autoimmune exactly and unlike the endo you can't go in and cut it out because it's actually it, it, it basically is like marbled all through your uterus through. like muscle so it's like you can't do anything about that, right? So with with both of these situations, the biggest complication is that you have potential infertility or you have what we call sub-fertility. So with endo too, just for everyone to be aware of, it actually has an impact on things like anxiety, depression. Absolutely. Serious pain, serious pain with endometriosis. I've had clients that literally um, will, will message me, they're stage four ones, some of them have had, you know, um, some of them have actually had surgery. Some of them have multiple surgeries. And they will literally have some months where they're like, Ali, I'm like, I cannot eat. I'm in my bed. I can't get up. I'm excruciating pain. I'm drinking alcohol to numb it. Like I've actually had a couple of clients be like that. And it just, it honestly breaks my heart because there's, it's, I living in and now it's not normal, it's everyone. It's, it's not normal. And it's not normal. I think a lot of, a lot of humans and everyone around the world normalize kind of being in pain, thinking yeah. like, especially women, we normalize periods being painful. And I think we normalize having heavy blood. And it blood really blood. shouldn't be. And it shouldn't be something we normalize. No, correct. It, it should, look, we should have a flow. Yes, you're going to have a heavier one at the beginning, whether like we talked about, you know, first 24 hours or even up to 48, if you're one of those that have a little bit of a heavier, but it should yeah. less and get lighter as the days go on um an irregular cycle would last anywhere from five to seven days um well normally you know some some people that are even regular can be as low as three to four you know but yep. that's that's that to me is even more irregular than regular being five honestly um because those that have a very light flow i'm like you're lucky but uh, at the same time i wish you would actually bleed a little bit more because i know the function <laughs> You know what I mean? Uh, that it does for our bodies. Um, but it is something that you should not normalize if it's yeah. extremely heavy, the full yeah. seven days. And let's say you go over seven days or you're having these excruciating pains, yeah. you're in yeah. bed ridden, you are having migraines. And like, yeah. I've had clients do throw ups, like they're just in nausea. Like yeah. they're just literally vomiting. That's actually a good point. Nausea and fatigue. Like I'm talking like, you know, you've been punched level. Oh, like a throw fatigue. up, like you might of yep. yeah like you just need that's to a go. sign that's not um, normal you no, know you have that that's normal. when you need to go get checked so you want to know the stat on this which i found incredibly like wow there's 190 million 190 million reproductive women 
that are affected with endometriosis globally. At this point in time, there's approximately 10 to 15% of the entire population of women on the planet have it. That's crazy. That is numbers check me out, y'all. I don't know if numbers yeah. don't check guys out, but they're, I mean, stats get crazy. And if you're not tracking stuff or investigating and trying to do your research, this is such a great way for you to learn, no matter what it is that your interest is, whether it is obviously what we're talking about, you know, endometriosis and endomyosis, or, or if we're talking about even statistics mm-hmm. about food. So many people yep. don't know the myths behind yeah. food, which blows my mind. Like just looking up and doing your research, people, please use, exactly. use, use your resources don't go on just google and google it because google has so many (laughs) uh, misinformation but make sure you do have some good sites and some good you know medical groups that you can you know go and uh, get some good information from and look there is there is thing that there are definitely therapies and modalities and treatment that does not include surgery for endometriosis there are ways to manage it there are definitely you know, options for you. So there's any inflammatories, there's medication, there's definitely hormone therapy that they will use with you. Talking um, about inflammatories, my yeah. like, and this is something across the board. It's my fa- favorite and most used for all my clients, myself, is going to be turmeric, guys. This is an all natural, yes, literally an all natural herb that you can just 100%. use. Turmeric is the goat. I mean it. Yep. It's the best anti-inflammatory, <laughs> antioxidant, you know, just it's all awesome. natural. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, so if it is you're good. dealing with inflammation, um, that is a tool that I would recommend and supplementation that I would and, add. Um, I find a lot of natural Chinese therapies are great too. And a lot of the Chinese medicine will use compounds and, you know, looking at all natural-based herbs and, you know, options that actually treat these things. So, you know, I think look at your options, you know, definitely if you, if you feel like you could be in the basket for potentially having this, go and investigate, see your specialist, get the test done, learn just where you're sitting with it, because then you can start to look at how you treat it, but also doing things that relax you and help with, you know, pain management and central nervous system. You know, um, I think like, you know, yoga and relaxing activities that literally will, prevent you from getting into you know these heightened states i think is great too i always have my girls you know making sure that they're doing meditation making sure that they're doing things that you know put them into calm states um and then you know heat packs are just god's gifts yes all. they work they do <laughs> they, they really work. are i mean they work, jesus work, christ work. they're amazing i've been living with them literally attached to me for last year almost yeah heat oh. is always going to be a great way so the heating pads like I, I really recommend even for any kind of pain i think muscular pain that's a great tool to to kind of use uh whenever you're having so having a heating pad around yeah girls is a great tool to have okay like that and yeah. also have just a little bit of some turmeric i mean i would implement turmeric on a daily basis i take it in pill form yeah. that way i i have joint pain i get inflamed very easy i retain water from like you having different and you know inconsistencies sometimes in dietary um you know just things and i i really consistently use turmeric and notice a big difference in joint pain yeah. uh, and just like inflammation so that would yeah. be something yeah, 100%, 100%. And so, you know, look, a lot of the times when we're looking at um, why someone might be slow to conceive and might have been trying for a while, they, you know, may have some of these symptoms or not. These top three things being your endometriosis, your polycystic ovary syndrome and adenomyosis can be some of the biggest reasons why. And you 
you visually can't look at someone and go, oh, yep, yeah, she's got pizos. She's got, yeah, exactly. She's got, yeah. Exactly. She's got, yeah. <laughs> she's got, she's got endo. It is right, not right. visible, right? I Can would say, though, out of, yeah. yeah, and I would say out of the three things, right, there are probably a few more physical symptomatic signs of polycystic than there are the other two. So polycystic um, ovarian syndrome PSOS, as we, we call it, is, you know, super common and it's actually caused by an imbalance in your reproductive hormones. So basically it's where we see women that have quite high level testosterone and they're lacking in other hormones. So they're just not balanced. Now, one of the leading causes of female infertility is PSOS. And it's because we don't have the normal flow and surges and we're not releasing the follicles, not releasing the eggs. Like we're just not, it really limits the process, right? So this is where you'll, you'll see, you know, someone really probably needing IVF because it, it's where they'll get the support with the synthetic addition of, you know, drugs to help yeah, with this, right? Hormones, yeah. Sure but with this, with PSOS, it's the one where you will see things like thinning hair, really oily skin, very, and acne. Yes. Yeah. Or even just like a very big dent, like, I don't know, it's yeah. not dent rough, but it's more of like a very dry scalp yeah. and a very dry skin. Like their skin yeah. gets really dry and flaky. Yeah. Um, PCOS really, really hits every woman a little differently. Different, differently, exactly. Yeah. And so they have a hard really- time losing weight. They tend to gain weight really easily. They'll have, um, you know, some, they can't uh, lose weight easily they either. Like they gain easily. it very easily, but yep. they can't lose and, it. Yeah, exactly. They grow exactly. hair excessively. It's the hair. Uh, yeah. yeah. That's the next like one. You, the thin downy you hair kind on the face. Kind of seeing a little, you yeah. know, mustache yeah. and a little, you know, little peach fuzz around the cheeks. Yeah. yeah. All that. Kind of, yeah. And it's not, don't shame yourself for these things. No. I mean, these are signs yeah. that you're hormonally yeah. in a state where your body is talking to you. It's letting Correct. you know hormones Correct. are elevated yeah. in different areas that they shouldn't be. Uh, maybe obviously downregulated in areas that they shouldn't be. Yeah. So just yeah. trying to look at these red flags and symptoms, whether if it is endometriosis, endomyosis, like you said, an ovarian yeah. uh, cyst. And with them. Um, with PSOS too, though, the best thing about it in one sense is that there seems to be quite a lot more treatment protocols available in the sense where there are, you know, medications that can support the process. There are changes you can make to your lifestyle, food and diet, you know, choices alone. Activity affects it um, in a positive way. You know, so there are definitely things that can be done. What's interesting about it is that 80% of women that actually have it have insulin resistance. So you'll see a lot of people when they say, oh, I've got PSOS, so I can't eat carbs, Right. Now, I would always, always say go and see a dietitian that specifically clinically deals with this particular disease because not everyone has that insulin resistance. And then you might be removing food groups without needing to. So, you know, I would always say don't just go, I've got this, therefore I can't eat that. Go get properly tested, find out where your actual, you know, insulin resistance sensitivity sits and then that can then be treated with food, right? So, you know, don't just automatically assume you can't eat them, but just know that that is a common side effect of this. And this, again, also affects over 10% of women globally. 
it just, it, look, it, our cycle causes a lot of problems, but then we go in and fuck it up even more by trying to like unregulate it, trying to get it to not work and trying to get yeah. it to take the pill and IUD. And look, these are all personal things, but we have to understand the aftermath and yeah. the actual, consequences. you know, consequence exactly that's going to happen afterwards. If we are trying to, you know, obviously have to children later or not have these symptoms. Yeah. Um, yeah. And you know, look, even if you don't ever want to have kids, like I would always say to the, to the young girls listening to this, you might not want them now, but I'm, I'm a prime example of someone who, you know, didn't, didn't get with my Mr. Right. I w- and I went through a process with someone that, you know, I just stayed in a little too long, perhaps with, I found my, my Mr. Right as a result a little later, which meant that when I really wanted kids and I really wanted to plan for it, I wasn't in my, you know, late teens, early 20s anymore, right? Not at all. So for me personally, these things affecting me now are affecting my fertility. But I can be, you know, 100% honest and say, I wish I knew all these things back in my early 20s because I probably would have kept a better check on them. I probably also would have planned for things a little better. And I would have made the decision, and I've talked about this on a previous podcast, and, and, you know, for everyone that's reached out to me post that podcast actually and said to me that I've inspired them or I've encouraged them and they've now booked appointments to go get their embryos frozen, I applaud you. I am, you know, so thankful that you've listened to it and take something away because you shouldn't settle with the wrong guy just to have a baby ever. You shouldn't be forced to have a baby young just because it's when you can. You shouldn't be made to feel wrong for finding Mr. Right late and having babies later either. But what we should all be aware of is that, unfortunately, the longer we leave it, the more risks we're taking. So all you need to do is get your freaking embryos on ice as soon as possible. And if you are someone young and you might not necessarily think you want a child or you haven't found this right yet, but you've got signs of or you've just been diagnosed with any of these conditions, manage them well young because I guarantee you may change your mind about what you want later. And you don't want to do the reckless things young when you think, You've got all the time in the world and you'll live forever and everything is, you know, a possibility. You don't want to be reckless and then not have what you want later because you could have made better choices younger. You know what I mean? So I think education is important. I didn't know about adenomyosis at all until I'm experiencing it. Thank you for educating us. That was a, yes, that's a great, a great topic because so many women neglect just the symptoms yeah. and what oh you talked about, I think can relate to a lot of women yep. that have yep. symptoms that they're just unaware are actually red flags um, yeah. that could be looked and researched and like dig a little deeper and find out that maybe the root of the problem, maybe not right now, because maybe you're not trying to have children right at the moment. And you don't know that these are yeah. the things that are going to maybe down the road be an issue causing, um, obviously you to be unfertile so for sure and check yourself out still, and- um, you don't want to be in pain though either step so even right, if you decide right. you, you know you're never going to reproduce that's fine but you also don't want to be stuck connected to a water bottle and living in your, your bedroom for a week every month yes in, in pain is pain. not like what you're supposed to live in and this no. is not where we're supposed to like normalize yeah. either yeah. periods yeah. aren't supposed to be painful a hundred all the time not exactly. telling you you can't have 
a bad day and you feel moody and you're you know, obviously having a little cramp here and there, just so you know, I get really bad cramps from drinking really cold drinks or spicy food. <laughs> like these are things that I've noticed are really big common denominators yeah. for every period of mine. And if I cut them out, I don't actually get the cramps as bad. You know, I don't exactly. I'm fine. So if you have maybe a thing that you're noticing that you may be eating or having, that's a common denominator, every single period, cut it out and see if it obviously eliminates the symptom of like having extra cramps or obviously for me, it's not a heavy blood flow. It's always just the cramping feeling. So if you're thinking of that and associating to what we're talking about, don't go extreme and think that you're having some issues. Just try to do the cross elimination process first. If you're still having heavy blood flow and you're having really bad symptoms and really, really bad cramps, nausea, headaches, migraines, all of that, then for sure, I, I can't, I'm getting, I'm getting distracted with Allie over here with the little blue. Uh, sorry. I just sorry. thought I'd introduce you to <laughs> the hedgehog, Stephanie. I'm like, come on, you know, I'm a sucker for dogs. Come on. Look at his, look at his feet. <laughs> I can't. He's legitimately Sonic. Like, he looks like Sonic. Oh, oh my God. Look at his little Burberry tie. Look at his little Burberry tie. Yeah, what a stud. Wow. He's a total stud. You guys, anyone like, well, actually, ladies. If, if you're listening to this and you haven't watched it, you need to watch the YouTube so that we can actually show you. Yeah, I'm sorry. Little, I got distracted. Like showing this dog to me. But you guys, literally, I'm so excited about these next few weeks because Ali's going to have a positive exchange. Oh, I know it. I feel yes. it. I have really good energy. I really, this, so. really, really yeah. want that. And you know, I, look, as per usual, I'm going to walk into this and protect my heart somewhat and be hopeful and be positive, but not define everything and pin everything emotionally into one process because you just can't. If there's anything that I've learned in the IVF process, it's that You've really got to become quite, I mean, I'm resilient as fuck. We know this, but even I have had to temper myself on occasion and remind myself that, hey, the stats are against you nine times out of 10. So you've got to be positive, but you can't let, you know, you just can't let a bad or a negative situation once or twice just derail your Exactly. your faith do you know what i mean so exactly. so I, i'm keeping the faith i'm saying super positive but i'm um, i agree also i think just realistic just... Yeah. but he's still going to be very faithful very hopeful very positive oh, exactly. at the same time we're sending all of our good vibes so everyone please make sure you say a little prayer say a little wish for ali and you know you obviously send her the good vibes and good messages uh leading up yeah. to her thank to you yes, and thank sure. you again everyone who's been following that has been reaching out has been supporting my journey and has been wishing me well i really appreciate it i'd also you know really welcome anyone to send me questions if you're going through this or you're about to embark upon it or you want questions answered and, you know, just even pick my brains and stuff, send them through. Contact me on social media. I've had a lot of people do it. I really love engaging with women going through this journey. And if I can help any of you, even just one of you with something to do with this whole process, then, you know, I'm, I find so much um, satisfaction out of being able to pass on from my own experience it's valuable. I've got to so have something good come out of it, right? So if I can Hey, it's all valuable. So we, I love following it. I love being a part of it. And I just cannot wait to have a little, you know, little nephew. Little I can't wait to have a little nephew. <laughs> 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 Get it already up already. 
You know, yeah, one good thing here. is, one good thing is, we could actually walk around in the street in Dallas somewhere, and people could think it really is related to you because it's going to be a little, a little caramel latte, little half. You're saying it's going to come out tan? I'm thinking it's going to have a little flavor there, darling. So it could oh, be, I'm sure. You could believe it. <laughs> I will babysit anytime. You can just come wait. over or just come visit. Wait. So, everyone, thank All you right, so guys. much for listening. Thanks so much yes. for tuning in. We'll see you guys next time. See you next week. Bye bye. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Queen Divas Queens of Fitness podcast. Make sure you follow us on Instagram at Queen Divas Pod, on Twitter at Queen Divas 4, and follow our hosts on Instagram, Alicia at Alicia Gowans underscore WBFF Pro, and Steph at Stephanie Ayala 7. See you all next week.